Thank you for being here this morning. We have a nice crowd. We have been studying this month on the family. And last week, Monty talked about fathers and men and their responsibilities in the church as being Christians. This morning, we're going to speak about godly women. See if I can get this thing started. About godly women this morning. And thank you, Riley, for the reading you did. It was rather lengthy, but whenever someone gets up here and speaks about women, they always go to Proverbs, the 31st chapter, and do a detailed study on that. We're not going to do that this morning. Yes, I'm going to use some of the references there in our lesson as we go, but I want to go a little different direction this morning. I want to talk about examples of women that we find in the scriptures and how that pertains to the women today. Nathan didn't want to give this lesson. I think he was afraid to speak to the women, so I'm going to do it instead. There are lots of women in the Bible, and we can all talk about women in the Old Testament, but I don't think we really realize and understand the importance that women had in the ministry of Christ and in the early church. We seem to sort of skip over that, or I do, but they were an integral part of Christ's ministry. He was... His ministry was about three to three and a half years, something like that. Much of it was in Galilee, but he traveled a lot. Well, we find that in, at his death, in Matthew, the 27th chapter, and the 55th verse, it says that many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there, there looking from afar, among whom was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. What does it say? It says that these women ministered unto Jesus. Think about it. As far as we know, in that three and a half years, Jesus didn't have a job. He did not come from a wealthy family. Those disciples that were with him did not come from a wealthy family, for the most part. So how did they eat? How did they sleep? Where did they get water? Who took care of them? There were a lot of women that followed them and ministered unto them. So they could go about, that Jesus could go about and spend his full time and effort on his ministry. There's this verse of scripture in 1 Corinthians 14 and 34. It says, let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive as the law does say. Well, first of all, in the Old Testament, the women were not allowed to do public service in the temple. They were not allowed to do public service in um, the tabernacles. They just were not part of that. But we look at this and we say, well, what is women's duty? And I'm telling you, women have an extremely important part in the ministry of Christ. They have a lot to do. They are important to the work. Just look at Philip, the fourth chapter, where it says, I implore Iodia and I implore it Sintashi, I think, to be also true companion. Help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Paul said, there are a lot of women that have helped me in the gospel, that have served me, have labored with me, have done good things for the gospel and for the spreading of the church. In Acts, the first chapter, we find as the actually before the, what we consider the beginning of the church started, Peter and the apostles and a lot were gathered together, and remember they chose a 12th person to take Judas's place. 
It says here that these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120 people that were there. We don't know how many were women, but a significant number. They were listed as women that were there in the beginning. I like what we find in Acts, the 16th chapter. In Acts, the 16th chapter, we find that Paul and Silas were in Philippi. And it says, on the Sabbath day, they went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Women were not allowed for the public part of the temple, but they were holy. They were worshiping God. They were set by this river, and they sat, and that's where these women prayed. And it was customary. And so he was there, and he spoke to those women. And one of the women he spoke to was Lydia, and she heard him. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, Thyatira, get it right, who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart and to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household was baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded him. This woman was worshiping God, it says, and God opened her heart that she received the gospel. And when she received it, what is her first instigation? To serve. She said, If you believe that I'm faithful, come and be in my house. And let me take care of you. If you read a little farther down in the Acts of 16th chapter, if you remember the account there, Paul and Silas were thrown in jail and they converted the jailer to Christianity. And the next morning they were let loose. And where did they go? So they went out of the prison and entered to the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. First place they went was someone they didn't really had not known until, I guess, the day before, or maybe the day before that, but certainly no long time. They went there. Why? Well, I presume they probably wanted something to eat. They probably might have wanted to clean up a little bit. Prisons were not a nice place to be. But already there were people at Lydia's house, and when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them that were there in her house. Let's not pr forget Priscilla. Priscilla and Aquila, remember, husband and wife team, they're mentioned numerous times in the New Testament. And wherever they went, they spread the gospel. They helped the Lord's work. They were influential in the church, this woman Priscilla. Someone we don't talk about very much is Phoebe. Phoebe is found in Romans, the 16th chapter. In the first verse, it says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Sincera that ye may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatsoever business, whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and myself also. What a praise to give a woman, Phoebe. He says, I commend you her. Whatever she needs and wants and asks of you, you do it because she is a servant of the Lord. She's doing her thing. If you continue reading there in Romans, the 16th chapter, you'll find that the Apostle Paul talks and commends many brethren and thanks many people for their help and work in the church. And I don't know if I counted it exactly right, but there's, I think there are 27 people that, that the Apostle Paul wanted to praise or recommend or put names in the Scriptures. 
And of that, at least eight of them were women. Women played an integral part in the early church. If you remember, when Paul would go and he would go into a town and he would talk to the Jews there, and then he often would go to the Gentiles, the Greeks. The scriptures tell us that there were many Greek women that were converted. They, the important women, as the scriptures would say, they were converted to Christianity. Women seemed to accept the gospel better than men. A couple of characteristics of godly women. She fears God. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but the woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. She behaves wisely. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She deserves praise for her works. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gate. Three characteristics of a godly woman. When I was putting this lesson together in this slide I put in here, I said women are sometimes better than men when it comes to spiritual things. When it comes to a lot of things that we consider needing to be done for the Lord, women are sometimes better. And then I said, you know, that's not really right. Sometimes are, it's not sometimes. Women are better than men at certain things. They are. We're different. And women are good at certain things better in whole than men. Women seem to be more trusting in the Lord. And we're going to talk about that a little later in the lesson. But women tend to get it. They tend to trust God. They tend to do... We find in the scriptures, and there we'll go in trusting of the Lord. They tend to be more humble and obedient. They tend to be more willing to serve. They more loving, more compassionate, more forgiving. Now, can I be forgiving? Yes. Can... Other men be more loving and more compassionate yet. But in a general roof, are we as good as, as women at doing that? No. Never have been. Won't be. It is something that women are good at, this list we have here. And for some examples, in the scriptures, it seems there are a lot of places that men want to make excuses when God asks them to do something. The first one that comes to mind is Moses. In Exodus 4 and 1, it says, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. You know, God said he was in a burning bush, and it wasn't being consumed, and he was talking to a man, Moses. And Moses said, Well, what if they don't believe me? Well, I think there's a good chance they would. But on down in the 10th verse, it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since. You have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And what did God say? He said, who made your mouth? I did. God did. And you're worried that you won't have the right things to say? Moses continued in that vein, and the Scripture says that God got angry and said, okay, I'll send Aaron with you, and he can be the one who speaks for you. Now, to Moses is to speak of Moses, after the first time that they met with Pharaoh, Moses did take on the, the, the leadership but still, he had an excuse. I like talking about Gideon. Gideon had already seen one miracle when the Lord came to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in, my, uh, in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. What did he say? He said, You can't send me. 
I'm not, I, my family is the least of Vanessa and I'm the least of the family. And he said, sure I can. I can send you. Well, he said, okay, I'll, I need a sign. So what he asked for, he said, I'll take animal skin, a fleece, and I'll put it on the threshing floor, and the next morning there'll be dew all around it, and it'll be dry. So that's what was happened, and it did. He said, well, the next day, he said, okay, I want the fleece to be wet with dew and the ground to be dry with dew. Can you see God's patience? Good night. But he was doing everything he could do not to do what God wanted him to do. But on the other hand, the scriptures are full of women who want to serve. And I've got a couple examples here. I want you to look at Esther with no excuse. Esther was the queen raised by her uncle Mordecai. And Mordecai had heard that there was a plot to kill all of the Jews everywhere, wipe them out. By messenger, he sent to Esther the queen saying, you need to do something about this. And she said, well, none of my business. You know, I'm up here. I'm not out there. And, he's, and so I'm not going to do anything. But Mordecai continued to talk to her and explain to her that the only person that was going to save the people was Esther. And you know what she said? She said, well, you know, if I go see the king and he hasn't summoned me, there's a good chance he's going to kill me assassinate, uh, kill the one that come in. It was a safety thing. If you came towards the king, they thought you were going to assassinate him. So you were dead unless he called you. But yet, Mordecai convinced her. So she said, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And did she give an excuse? There's no excuse in that. She said, now that I know what I've got to do, if I perish, I perish. There wasn't an excuse there. She was to serve. She was going to do what was necessary to save the people. To me, one of the most outstanding women in their want to serve, I don't know if you think of it this way, is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Look at the excuses she had. And having come in, the angels said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at saying, And consider what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. What was the excuse? The same question you and I would ask. How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. What did Mary say? Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Did she give an excuse? No. She Think what was going to happen. She was going to be ostracized by her family and by the community because she was an unwed mother. But to me, what is really important is how would you like to have been, you ladies out there, the mother of the Son of God? What responsibility is that? I've got to raise this child who's going to sacrifice his life for everyone. And she did it without excuse. If it's what needs to be done, I will do it. Another characteristic, and 
back to our characteristics there in Proverbs, the 31st chapter, is that women seem to get God and Christ in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament faster than men did. If you remember the account where Lazarus was dead and Jesus was going to raise him from the dead, the apostles just couldn't understand what in the world was going on. If you go back there and read it, they're confused. They're wondering, well, what are we doing? And Jesus talked about him dying and going away, and they, they, they just didn't understand. But you know, Martha, as she soon heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, and what did she say? Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. She had faith. But then she said, but even, not, even now I know that whatsoever you ask of God, God will give you. Now, was that wishful thinking on her part? I don't know. But what I know is, is she made the statement that, hey, you can do whatever you want because God is with you. So could you save my brother who was dead? Jesus said unto her, your brother will rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that, that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You know, Martha was a, quite a student. She was really understanding what Jesus was teaching. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And what did Martha say? Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. There is much to do about the Apostle Peter who makes this confession. It's talked about in the scriptures a lot, and people talk about it. But here is Martha. She made the same confession. She knew that Jesus was the Son of God, that he'd come into the world, and she knew that he was the Christ, the Savior. She got it. Now, I don't care whether you are a young woman middle-aged woman or an aged woman. All women of all age need to work hard at becoming more godlike, to be more godly. Now, this is sort of a trivial statement. All Christian women should strive to be godly. Sure, that makes sense to me. Excuse me. But what does that really mean? We find in 1 Timothy 2, the ninth verse, it says, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for a woman professing godliness with good works. Now, does that mean that a woman shouldn't dress up and be nice looking and have clothes on that's, that's appropriate? No, it means appropriate. But on top of that, what's important is proper for women possessing godliness with good works. That's what a woman should clothe herself with, more important than hourly apparel. I want to talk just for a second to the young women here, you teenagers. You are growing and maturing as women. You are blessed that you have a godly mother, a godly grandmother, a godly aunt. Use their experience. Realize that everything you're going through as you mature, they've gone through. Realize that they want to help. Don't give up that blessing. Use it. Because you need to mature as a woman, a godly woman. And to do that, you need help. And you need guidance from those who love you. I want to talk a minute about godly wives. Now, you can be a godly woman, certainly, without being a godly wife. You don't have to be married to be godly. But the scriptures make some fair statements about godly wives. One of them is, is wives... Likewise, be submitted to your own husbands that even 
if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct and accompanied by fear. He says you may be married to someone who is not a Christian, didn't believe the word, but without a word, without you saying something, without you preaching there, just because of the way you act, because of the way you live, they can be converted. They can realize, they observe your chaste conduct that's accompanied with fear of God. And they can be saved. He continues by saying, Do not let your adornment be merely outwardly, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. It's not the outward appearance that God's interested in, and also that makes a godly woman. It's the inward gentleness and quiet spirit, which is precious in God's sight, and it is beautiful. Slide here on godly mothers. Godly mothers are important to a family. There's an ancient saying that says, no man is poor who has a godly mother. I know of families in this congregation that are here, and siblings are here, that came from very large families. But you're here because you had a godly mother. You're here because you had a godly father. But you're here because that mother directed you and kept you. You might not have had a lot to eat. You might not have had a lot of material blessings. But you weren't poor because you had a godly mother. She, stretched, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. My daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised Give her the fruits of her hand and let her own works praise her in the gate. A godly mother, as we find here in Proverbs, is one that takes care of her family no matter what. I want to end the lesson by, for you ladies especially, giving you a thought to think about how blessed you are to be called of God. How blessed us guys are to be called of God. He has opened our hearts and we are here to praise him through his son. Look what Mary said. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his made servant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. He has done great things for you. Don't forget it. And she finishes, says, finishes by saying, holy is his name. Let me tell you, ladies, it's much easier for us guys to be Christians because you're Christian. It's much easier for us to do what we're supposed to do because you're godly. Don't forget that. You have a great responsibility for us. That's the end of the lesson. I hope there's something there that will allow you to think about and be praised about as women in the church. It is a custom that we offer a song of invitation. If there's someone subject to the gospel call, we ask you to come as we stand and sing.